This week's episode is going to be a little different. I don't have any featured guests, but I'm going to talk about two huge moments in fashion that happened just last week. The first is about a major up-and-coming designer who is the first person of African descent to win the LVMH Prize for Emerging Fashion Designers. The second is about big moves happening over the Council of Fashion Designers and new board member appointments. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Black in Fashion. My name is CJ, and welcome to Black in Fashion, a podcast that highlights key Black figures who have impacted the world of fashion as we know it today, as well as those who continue to influence its ever-changing industry. Each episode, we'll profile different people from past to present, as well as conduct interviews and engage in dialogue around race and diversity within the fashion industry. I just want my brand to sort of be a I just want it to be a place of refuge um, for people, not only to get beautiful um, clothes and to always feel incre- incredible and like functional in these clothes, but to also learn things about you know our um, continent and our, our country um, especially. I just want to have a very smart, smart brand that almost gives people something more than, than just clothes. What you just heard was an excerpt from the Daily Maverick's first episode of Artistry featuring South African designer Tebe Magugu. This 26-year-old designer was just a recipient of the SITS LVMH Prize. So what does that mean exactly? It means he was awarded 300,000 euros and a year's worth of mentorship from one of the most powerful companies in fashion today, Louis Vuitton Mo & Hennessy. As stated in a previous episode, LVMH houses some of the most recognizable brands, such as Louis Vuitton, obviously, Fendi, Christian Dior, Emilio Pucci, Givenchy, Marc Jacobs, and most recently, Fenty by Rihanna. So this is obviously a huge deal. The LVMH Prize first got its start in 2013 to support young fashion designers, which is amazing considering the size of LVMH, and it has some of the most iconic heritage brands. Now, it's nearly impossible for young designers like Tebay to compete with these sort of brands. So this prize gives access to young designers from around the world to help them build their own collection and their own company. Now, according to the website, the support from LVMH covers things like intellectual property, sourcing, production, distribution, image and advertising, anything you can think of to build a successful brand. So for 2019, there are about 5,000 applicants from around the world. There were only eight finalists, and two of those finalists were actually from Africa. The other Black finalist was Nigerian designer Kenneth Zay, so it was absolutely amazing to see two Black designers on the list of finalists from everyone around the world. So these designers were able to showcase their work at Paris and London Fashion Weeks to names like Anna Wintour, Naomi Campbell, Gigi and Bella Hadid. And the judges for the final round included some heavy hitters like Claire Waite Keller of Givenchy and Maria Grazia of Dior. So they were being judged by some pretty high profile designers and executives within the LVMH family. So like I said in the intro, Tebay is the first designer of African descent to win this prestigious award. So what's his story? Tebe Magugu is from Kimberley, South Africa, and he's always had a knack for design and styling from a young age. I actually watched an interview where his mother was talking about how she would bring home new clothes and he would literally take them apart and redesign them into something even better. So it seems like design has always been in his blood. He went to Lysoff School of Fashion in Johannesburg, where he studied fashion design, photography, and media. 
So a self-titled brand is a contemporary women's wear brand that can be described as eclectic African fashion without the typical Lankara print. Now, this actually reminds me of our previous interview with Mimi Plunge, who talked about how people often pigeonhole African designers into sort of a unitary aesthetic. But Tibet, like Mimi, is one of many designers of African descent who are breaking that mold. I'm not even joking when I say he has some really cool designs in his collection. His work is both stylish, eye-catching, but also very personal. Another cool thing, he also names his collections after different subjects from universities. So he has a collection called Geology, another called Home Economics, and another called Art History. My favorite piece was actually from the collection he showed for the LVMH Prize, which I believe was African Studies. He talked about how his mother used to tell him to write down his nightmares, no matter how scary they were. So he would keep a journal of his nightmares. From that journal, he actually printed those pages onto Duchess satin and created the most beautiful dress. And the dress was literally like, it's a creation that spawned from the darkness of his childhood nightmares. Sounds really dark, but I absolutely live. And I think it ended up coming out really cool. Aside from his impeccable designs, he's made his mission to bring the fashion industry to South Africa. So he's based in Johannesburg, and it's easy for him to get supplies and fabric, but it's more difficult to get the production and distribution out. In another interview I watched, he said that his mission as a designer is to show the world that you can get the entire production cycle from South Africa. And even though there are challenges like infrastructure, there's also so much talent the country has to offer. Now, his comments on infrastructure actually really impressed Maria Grazia because, you know, while he was competing for this prize, he made mention to how he wanted to elevate production in South Africa and help develop the infrastructure, which really showed that he had a vision as a global brand for everyone based in Johannesburg. So the LVMH Prize is more than just a good look, but it's also about mentoring designers to make their brand financially viable. So I'm really excited to see what Tebe does in the future. Be on the lookout for his brand and check out some of his work on tebemagugu.com. You can also check out his work and the work of other finalists on 24s.com, 24s.com. From there, you can actually purchase their work. I actually really wanted this envelope clutch, but it's already unavailable. So I would get there sooner than later. The other story I'm going to talk about is around the CFDA and their newly appointed board members. Before I get into detail, what is the CFDA? So it stands for the Council of Fashion Designers, and it's a nonprofit association with over 500 members. CFDA is based in New York, and their purpose is to strengthen the impact of American fashion in the global economy. So they do a lot of work for young designers. They have scholarships, business support, and they also donate to charitable causes. Most people may know them for hosting the CFDA Awards, which is essentially the Oscars of fashion. Now, I might have called it the Grammys of fashion in another episode, but you get the point. It's a very big deal in the fashion world. On Tuesday, September 3rd, the CFDA announced four new members to its board. These members were Virgil Abloh, who we just did a profile episode about, Kirby Jean Raymond, Carly Cushney, and Maria Conejo. Every single new board member was a person of color, with three out of four being black. Now, this is huge because we're actually seeing inclusion at play here. The CFDA creates the official calendar for New York Fashion Week, and it's one of the most respected governing bodies in fashion today, with Tom Ford as their current chairman. Now, don't get me wrong, the CFDA has been called out on issues of DNI before. 
And I haven't completely fact-checked this, but Refinery29 posted an article last August that the CFDA only had 15 black designers out of its 500 members, which truthfully wouldn't be very surprising. But it is troubling considering the popularity of streetwear and all that black culture has contributed to the industry for years. They were also called out in August for jewelry designer and former board member Kara Ross, who planned and co-hosted a fundraiser for Trump's 2020 campaign along with her billionaire husband. Fellow jewelry designer and former CFDA member Dana Loren, she ended up leaving the CFDA altogether because she confronted leadership and she felt like nothing was done as a result. Now, Carla Ross is no longer a board member, but she's still in CFDA. But she was one of four people that was replaced by the new members that were just announced last week. Like I said before, the council plays a huge role in the fashion industry. So DNI is a constant conversation, even if most of the PR scandals over the last year mainly come from European brands. So what has the CFDA done for DNI? Earlier this year, the CFDA partnered with PVH, which is the parent company to Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, to analyze how inclusive and diverse the American fashion companies actually are. So what they did, they surveyed 50 top industry executives from 30 companies on their current practices and how to put DNI into practice instead of just using it as a buzzword. It's a pretty interesting report, which you can still find on their website. One of the biggest takeaways for me was Obviously, the fashion industry still has a long way to go in the way of DNI, but also many top executives don't completely understand the difference between diversity and inclusion or how to really put them into practice. Slight tangent, but again, you can check that entire report out for yourself on the CFDA's website. Another cool thing they did, which was actually on Black History Month of this year, they collaborated with Google in New York and they hosted the second annual Black Fashion Founders Forum. So the forum was all about how black style has revolutionized the industry and how the fashion industry can better honor black cultural heritage while building better businesses. I would have loved to be there, but from what I read, it was an amazing discussion moderated by a just this amazing panel. From what I've seen, the CFDA has made a conscious effort to push diversity and inclusion while rearing tangible results. So I have faith in the new board members, and I think that they're going to bring an even more diverse perspective to the organization as a whole. So I can't wait to see what they do to push this industry in the right direction. Black in Fashion is written and produced by me. Edited by Joelle North. The theme music is from PBTM Production Music Library. And background music for our profile episodes comes from Lakey Inspired. The title is Better Days. Please like, subscribe, review, and rate Black in Fashion five stars on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Lastly, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at BLKNFSHN. Again, that's at BLKNFSHN, just like the logo. Thanks for listening.